Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 35,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been living with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh. feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to Words and Nerds podcast, usually hosted by the fabulous Danny V, but this week she's been locked in the cupboard under the stairs while Andrew Datto and I steal her mic for what is likely to be a rambling conversation about creativity and change and writing and whatever else comes up that we feel like chatting about. I'm Alison Tate, author of Middle Grade Adventure Series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, The Adaban Cipher Novels, and my latest, The Maven and Reef Mysteries. I'm also co-host of the Your Kids Next Read podcast and general writer about town. And I'm here with Andrew Daddo, star of stage, screen, podcast, and radio, and author of 28 eight, I think, at last count, Mm. children's novels of various weights and sizes from picture books to YA and here with us today, having been caught in a rip this morning. Hello, Andrew. (laughs) G'day, Alison. How are you? (laughs) So I feel like being caught in a rip is probably not a bad sort of a metaphor for, you know, where we're all at at the moment in regards to pandemics and things like that. How did you go making headway? um, Well, look, the funny thing about a rip is if you can use the rip to your advantage, it can be extremely helpful. Yes, so that's true. I used it on the way out and I fought it on the way in. But if you swim across a rip as opposed to fighting the rip, um, you get through it much faster and then you just get to the area that you get washed in. So actually it's a great metaphor for for what's hap- you know, what's been going on for two years and possibly what's lining up for this year. I mean, who knows? It's a, who it's knows? a genuine mystery. I feel like we could pretty much just end our podcast right here. I just don't think it's going to get any better than that metaphor and (laughs) that conversation. Let's just finish right now. Bye. Um, That's pretty short. Okay, let's move on. Um, So here we are. We are in the new year. Uh, We're still in the rip a little bit. We're kind of like swimming across it. Uh, What's what's in store for you in 2022? Like what's what's it looking like? Um, it's a good, really, really good question because I never really know, right? So mm. for, for the last 20-something years, so basically, apart from writing, I basically have lived in the entertainment world and there's mm. genuinely no, like every single September, October, I never really know what's going on because it's like the, if there's a contract, it's a year-to-year contract and then they often come up in Novembers or Decembers. Mm. So you spend that mm. into Christmas time going, oh, 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 God. Um, and so if you had asked me that in November, I would have said I've literally no plans at all this year. And then in three days ago, we, we've finally pushed the button on a new series for Subaru and Channel 9. So I'll be doing that. Oh, um, oh fantastic. So you now know what you're doing this year. So I've got some sense of what I'm doing. Um, Great. So that'll be, that'll be earlier in the year. And then um, I've got a new podcast that I'm doing with Cam uh, called Dying to Meet My Dead Wife, which is sort of that weird, um, It's and that's with the Nova Mob. Um, and we've been doing that for the last sort of three or four months. And it's that really weird thing of what, what if we sat down and with no ideas and no, like literally no notes, no paper, nothing, 
and came up with an idea for a series or a movie. In fact, we didn't even know if it was going to be a movie or a TV series. So we started spitballing things and, you know, he'd wow. say something, and go, no, and I'd say something, he'd go, no, and then we, oh, I like that idea. Wow. So, so, we so it's going to be a podcast. Yeah, we've just nearly finished it. So it's, um, it's we're putting it together now. So it's... Um, How exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. But it's about a guy who um, he gets a diagnosis that is dying, but he's not upset about it because his wife's already dead. So he's dying to meet his dead wife. Oh, right. <laughs> and then, right, so, so which we thought would be really quite funny. And yeah. um, uh, and then all the complications around that, and then and of course the diagnosis is wrong, and he's not dying, and all that sort of bizarre. Ah, okay. So, See, it's an it's an interesting thing though that you that you say that that you have spent like the last how twenty odd years, not exactly knowing every November what the following year is going to look like. Hmm. It takes a certain personality type to thrive in that environment, Andrew. Like a lot of people would not cope with the uncertainty of that. What do you think is the like, how have you managed it? Like, what's the key to that? Is it just blind optimism? Um, it's definitely not optimism. It's, it's this, there's a sense of optimism, but it's also the thing of going, well, if there's nothing happening, then I better make something happen. Okay, so it's, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fighting, a lot of sort of, you know, um, falling down a wall with your fingernails out going <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, and, it's like, and, and it's also while you're working is preparing for when you're not working. Right. So okay. I'm always saving money, for instance. Yeah. Yep. So when I can, I'm always squirreling stuff away and then squirreling ideas. And I think that's how I started writing was that, you know, I was doing that that travel show, The Great Outdoors, and literally, yep. you know, I'd be away for two, three weeks at a time. And then, so while I was doing that, I thought, I'm not going to just sit around and do nothing. So then I started writing stories. Right. Because there's lots of downtime. And so instead of sitting around scratching your nuts going, oh, yeah, look at that, oh, yeah, that waterfall, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. So instead of doing that sort of stuff, I'd sit in cafes while the crew went and filmed all the pretty shots that were, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I wasn't involved with. Yep. Um, and which was really good. So lots of time on aeroplanes, so just writing stories on aeroplanes and things like that. So it's always – so the whole time it's been about not, not being a – well, sometimes being misery guts, but not being in misery guts with the situation I'm in of not working, of like trying to find something to do that will be work later. Yeah, like, I, I agree I'm, with that. And for you as a writer, it's this. I'm guessing yeah. it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, you're always having to create your own next job, and I think that yeah. um, I sort of probably got into the habit of it with uh, because I was a freelance journalist for a long time and you're only as good as your next idea so you're always yeah. having to come up with the next idea and you're always thinking about where that idea is going to go and what you're going to do with it and it, it is always that feast or famine world yeah. um and i think writing or you know any kind of creative um career career is like that it is always going to be um feast or famine and you have to be able to manage those rolling waves you've got to be able to manage when you're you know, doing a thousand hours a week, trying to get your deadlines done and trying to get the work in and whatever. But you also have to be able to manage those long, long days when you're not entirely sure where mm. your next buck's coming from. And um, it is, it is. Well, it is. And I, I no, think, no, no, no. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Like, I'll go and play golf or something. Yeah, it's just taken me a really, really long time to to understand that. You know, there are days where you can just go to the beach, and yeah. that's what you should do. And in actual fact. You need to go to the beach because you've got to give your brain that time to actually, you know, rewire itself almost. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you've got to forgive yourself for not being active all the time. 
Because yeah. you know, like imagine, like look at someone with a norm, with a normal job, right? So they go to the office and they and they and they're on it all all day. But there's moments within that day, most certainly, they're not on it at all, right? No, there. that's right. I mean, I honestly, <laughs> I think- like when I think about the amount of time I used to waste, just mm. you know, faffing about at the water cooler or doing whatever and that was just an accepted part of the day and that was fine but somehow I think when you are your own boss which you are if you're running any kind of creative enterprise if you're an author a musician whatever you are there's that sort of sense of if you're not you know on it 100% then you're going to fail then you're going to have to you know find some other way to make a living and some other thing to do. Yeah, I actually think the harder part is that when you have an idea and you go, oh, my God, this is such a great idea. This is a great idea. And you sit down and you start and you're going, yes, like this. And then you show it. Or there's that fear of showing it to someone, genuine fear, right? That I, yeah. I, and you press send and you wait and oh. it's, that, that doesn't come back in the first 10 minutes and you're going, jeez, like it was 400 words a picture book. Crap, how long can it take you to read that? Yeah. And then yeah. eventually they do come back and they go, so – so, so, so what? What is it? They yeah. do. They're, yeah. they're rolling down a hill, and then they're not rolling down. <laughs> what? It's, and you're like, well, when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think. So do I think that the, the really hard, the really hard part is to have a really an idea in your heart that you know is good and right and worthy, and then. When you put it together, then you have to either a explain it or b get a negative response to it, Which I, and yes. that's that's the gut wrenching part. It is, but- and and it is, and I I do think um I think that is something that does like I'm you know I guess uh, like when you say that after you've written twenty eight books and done all of these other things that you've done and all of those other projects, I'm sure there's people out there you know who are who might be kind of newer to the writing world mm. who are listening to that just going you mean what what you, what it doesn't get better yeah, or, what or what wanker what a wanker um, but <laughs> or, or that you know I wasn't going to yeah. say that um, but I, I think um, it is it is something that I think that it doesn't get any easier. I do find I'm a lot better now and I guess it's, again, those years of journalism of just having my, you know, having the red pen struck through the entire story, do it again, I hate it, um, that it makes you sort of like separate a little bit yourself from the work. Um, but when it came to, particularly when I first started out with the fiction, I found that a lot harder. It was quite a different process. Uh, fiction is so personal. You've got that sort of sense of, mm. you know, the heart on the plate sort of thing. But um, I also, the more that I have gone into the world of writing and publishing and the more books I've had published, um, I do understand also the subjectivity of it now a lot better. That, you know, people used to say, oh, you know, if that person doesn't love it, just send it somewhere else because someone else will love it. But that's not always easy to do when you're starting out because you think the fir- if the first person hates it, you just think that, well, that's it, your life's over, you're terrible. Yeah. Um, but now I do understand that, writing you know sending your story to the right person is is almost as an important part of the whole process because you want someone who's going to get it you want someone who's going to understand why rolling down a hill and not rolling is is it's a a really bad example (laughs) no but it's true i mean yeah the 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 middle sort of the in the sort of the spring of last year the autumn of last no the spring of last year I sent an, an idea into the publisher who would do all my stuff and and of that age, and they just went no, nah, no, nah, 
and I just went <laughs> right because it was a really I, I and I still think it's a good idea and it was not my best and it was simply not my best day it's about a kid who wakes up and it literally is having not his best day oh <laughs> so right you know so it's a series of catastrophe well you know small catastrophe after another after another after another but obviously it wasn't written well enough and it wasn't and what they were after is something like big hits and big you know and sort of I'm going oh, a little bit more subtle and so they just and it was you know it, it takes you a couple of days to actually get up off that slap it does like it, honestly it, it honestly does and it does you know. because you feel like you've you've you know you, something that you truly believe in has yeah. been like just yeah no nah, you know what just flick flick away see you yeah, later yeah, yeah. I'm it's, a like that. It's, that. It's, it's one read <laughs> and you go what and the thing is <laughs> And the reason I know it's a good idea was because I was talking at a school and there's, there's two kids sitting in front of me and one's got really scabby knees and I just and we're waiting for the rest of the kids to come into the thing. So I said to him, geez, what happened to your knees? And the kid next to him goes, wasn't his best day. And oh. I just went, oh, my God. And I looked at him and I said, you've done it. You've done it. That's the next big idea. Not my <laughs> best day. And, it, look, it's still, it's, I still think it's got, it's got legs. I just have to work on it further. You know? And will you work on it further? Is that something that you did a long time ago that you're willing to drag out and kind of tick, you know, tweak away at for years? I, think, I mean, I think I will. I will look at it again. Because I do it like the take, idea of it. Yeah, it can take. Um, it, it'll take me s- literally five to six years for an idea to sort of come from the back of the brain to the front of the brain. Like literally, like genuinely. Wow. It'll take that long. Wow. So, okay. Because, you know, you hear people say that and, you know, and particularly when you're talking about a picture book, like, which, mm. as you say, you know, 498 words or whatever it mm. is, maximum. Um, and, and people say that, you know, how can it possibly take that long? And other, other people will write a picture book in 30 minutes and it's brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that was a very good day, I'd like to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, because picture books are something like, I, I guess, that, you know, with me, there's, there's things I, I approach the whole creative process and, and, and choosing what I'm going to work on um, in a couple of different ways. So one of them is that I'll just follow something I'm curious about. It'll be a subject or it'll be a, an idea that comes to me and I'm, the, the curiosity will, will, will drag me into that idea. Um, and other times it's a, it's a challenge. And I set myself a challenge several years ago that I wanted to write a picture book. I wanted to get a picture book published. And I've written, I don't know, maybe five or six different options now uh one of them you know went to acquisitions didn't quite make it because it was too quiet um quiet books like what is it with quiet books right? what is it a, so what does that mean what is a quiet book well it was kind of i think well it was about it was about it was a slice of life sort of book it was about um it was inspired by my uh, both of my boys I mean my, they're now 18 and 15 so they're kind of they love it when I talk about this stuff mm. um but <clears throat> both of them <laughs> loved the plastic lawnmower you know with the earmuffs and the whole bit and they used to get out so my husband would get out with all his gear on and mow the lawn and they'd follow along behind with their little mowers behind them and there was a photograph that I saw and so I wrote a little story about, you know, mowing the lawn with dad or whatever it was called um, and it is a lovely little story. Like there's no doubt about it but it wasn't going to compete with Pig the Pug or, you know, those sort of big blockbuster kind of things um, and they just said, look, it's not going to work. So I thought it might have worked as a Father's Day, like a, as a Father's Day book or yeah. something like that but anyway, it didn't work. Um, anyway, so I've been kind of tinkering with that in various forms um, and recently I've been – 
working on a different idea which combines both of them. So it, it follows something I'm curious about, which is gardens, and it also brings in the challenge of the, you know, the creative challenge of getting it into a picture book form. So I think sometimes, you know, like particularly I wasn't very inspired last year. I found last year very yeah. difficult. Um, I had a kid doing the HSC I was doing a lot of supporting of other people. I watched two books come out in the pandemic and just sort of, you know, just in the way that all books did in the last couple of years, just not really go like they could have. And it, I just found it very difficult creatively because of all the uncertainty around. I, I, I kept saying last year when I was on the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast, I was talking a lot about creative cul-de-sacs and that's kind of where I felt like I was. Yeah. Um, so I, I started working on this picture book idea as a way of trying to write my way out of that cul-de-sac of just doing something that was a bit different to what I had been doing. Um, and I have found it really helped. Like I, I just, I've always worked on the theory that if, if things are not working for you, or if you're feeling like, you know, nothing's happening, you have to do something. Like yeah. even if it's something that doesn't yeah, work, yeah. you have to do something to get yourself out of that sort of mess that you might be in. Would you agree with that? I just feel like you and I are the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Except you've got oh, the TV career. And no, the- <laughs> no, 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 I don't, no, no, don't worry about that. I feel yeah. exact. I feel exact. Like literally, word for word, what you just said for the last two years. I feel word for word what you said. So yeah. the same thing with Stephen Michael King. We did Atticus Fantasticus. Yes. The first book went, you know, well, and then the second one was launching and we had the Sydney Writers' Festival to yeah. 1,500 kids at a time coming into it the, and yeah. then they cancelled that and they cancelled the Brisbane thing and they cancelled, they literally yeah. cancelled our whole tour and the second yeah, everything. book was like, um, you know, yeah. and then the third book came out after that and, of course, I just don't think you can underestimate. Like I, I, I've, I did feel a lot for people whose books came out in that um, in that period of time, particularly debut novelists who may not have had. Like at least I had two podcasts, a couple of massive writing communities, um, a very you know like a, a really supportive local um, you know sort of uh, media and network sort of thing to help me at least get some you know. Yeah. attention around the book um but it, it must have been extremely difficult for people who didn't have those things in place and um you know there's there's some great books that came out in that period that are just um not going to do anything like what they should have done because of the the circumstances yeah. um but again it comes back to me too and it's something that I have been banging on about for years by the so you want to be a writer podcast mm-hmm. um about the um, you have to be able to control your end of it. You have to be able to do what you can. So you can control the writing of the book and, and that's, you know, one of the things that you can control and then you can at least make sure you've got some kind of presence somewhere to continue that conversation because, you know, you're going to get your, you know, like as you say, the tours and everything like that are fantastic mm. and they're generally organised by um, by the publisher and the publicist. Most books will get, you know, two weeks around with a publicist or, or similar, um, yeah. and then you're on your own. And if you can't, if you haven't found a way to kind of, you know, under your own steam, continue that conversation, whether it just be a Facebook page, whether it be a blog, whether it be something, um, to continue that conversation around your book, it will disappear because yeah. they, they have a limited shelf life in bookshops, unfortunately, like I personally, you know, would love to see. Um, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you will see some series that will be on the shelf for years and years and years, and you'll see others that will pop up and will disappear within 
you know, six months because maybe well, they haven't but, had the sales that they needed. Yeah, but even like, you know, we, it can be weeks. Yeah. Or, well, I was, know, trying to, I was trying to be generous. No, it can literally be. And, 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 the other, and the thing is, and this is that thing, because I don't think anyone's ever written, well, I don't think many people have written a book and they've gone and haven't thought it's good. Like, because it's not as if when you're writing it for the six months it takes you to write it and then the, the other six months correcting it and going through the five different proofs and then rereading it again and again. Yeah. And constantly changing things and talking to your illustrator and going, hey, what about if we did this? And should we do this? And what about if we. Yeah. And so, you know, like you work, you, that if, you, if they put an hourly rate on what you were paid to write a book, it would be in the cents. You know, it would literally be in the cents. Yeah, it's about two cents. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so you're doing it because you love doing it, but in the back of your mind, you've also got that fantasy and that dreamland of going far out. I actually think this is the one. I think this is the this is the book that can make all the other books live again. You know, because yeah, the breakthrough, the breakout. This, this, is, this the is the one. This is the breakout book. Yeah. So it's one thing to have twenty books or something, but it's also another to have the one that makes gives the light. And we really thought Atticus was really, really terrific, you know, a kid having adventures, a kid pirate, you know, with a, yeah, yeah, a fully yeah. diverse group of kids behind him and yeah. How can secrets you go wrong and love stories pirate? and Jesus, you know. He just, it's so it's just one of – and so literally, as you were saying, the first year of the COVID <laughs> – the COVID. The COVID. Um, I couldn't I – couldn't, and everyone goes, well, at least you can write. I'm like, I can't write. I've got no – the, I don't yeah. have the, the – brain space and they go what are you talking about all you do is write kids books mate how hard it's funny you say that yeah (laughs) because ostensibly there was all this time to create wasn't they all this time Mm. and yet not the I don't know I just didn't have the kind of somehow I was so drained from all of the other things that there wasn't the the wherewithal to kind of Mm. get the words done and yeah it was hard and yeah mate you're just writing kids books yeah easy right yeah a couple of fart jokes and then, you know, and then a chase and then a fight and then another fart joke and a pash maybe. <laughs> done. Job done. Let's write that book. Come on. <laughs> the so- no, but there there's- is there is that, isn't there? There is that kind of um, well, that sense out there that people have that it's a fart joke and a – particularly yeah. illustrated books, I think they you, – you know, there is that the, – the illusion that it's super easy because you just have to – Chuck in a bum and a fire joke, <laughs> and you're there. That's not all you, you need. You mean illustrated, not picture books? I so mean illustrated. Books I'm talking chapter books. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm talking no. illustrated. Mm. Yeah, um, I think there's a real set. There's a real, um, you know, the, those ones that that do incredibly well are incredibly clever, and there's mm. so much, you know, work involved in them that I don't think is necessarily always seen from the outside. It's a lot of oh, internal no. work. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, I guess is how it's supposed to be. They're meant to look effortless, right? Yes. Yes. And I know <laughs> that those two fellows work really hard together oh, yeah. to make that work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the thing with picture books is I, I reckon they're the hardest to write because every single word has a meaning and an importance yeah. as opposed to in a longer form story you can throw in the odd sentence that doesn't, you know, it's just a bridging sentence to get you from one bit to the next bit. But in a picture yeah. book, it's yeah. There's you know, there's time and effort on every single word and phrase and the syntax of a phrase. And does that marry up with this? And boy, I think I used that same word two pages ago. So that's yeah. repetitive. Now am I going to be repetitive yeah. through the rest of the story, or do I dump that? And so it's really yeah. quite difficult. Um, and I think that's why picture books are so special. And then to have an illustrator come in and read your words and not necessarily understand 
what you've said, but then you might not have access to the illustrator for them to get it. So you might get a different, a full, fully different version of the story that you wrote in yes. pictures. Yes. Which is yes. the joy of it. Yes. But it's also a concern in it as yeah. well. Well, so I like guess it's the difference between um, – it's a bit uh, – always when I talk to people who write scripts and, you know, like, you know, it's that notion of – or even, you know, have had a book turned into a movie. It's that version of – it's a collaborative – more of a collaborative approach. And, mm. I mean, one of the joys of writing um, – and I always say this to kids when I go to school visits – one of the joys of writing a story is that you control the whole world. Like when you're the author and it's and it's your story, particularly in that first draft, it's it's that there is nowhere else in my life where I am queen of the universe, not even in my own house, fully in charge of everything and everyone does what I want them to do. I mean, and characters can be unruly, but even so, the world looks like you want it to look. And, yeah. um, and then you hand that to someone else who, who brings, as you say, with an illustrator, brings a, a different sense of of, um, of translation to it because they're bringing a visual translation and it's a different way of looking at things. It's the same way that a, um, a director will bring a different version of your story to the screen. Yeah, so just on you having control, full control of your world, in the mm. back of your mind, mm. who's, who's accessing your levels of control? Because I know that, you know, when you write your first draft, theoretically you write whatever, literally whatever you want. Yes. Right. So you can be as offensive as you want. You can be as gruesome as as sexy as, or you can you can do literally whatever you want because it's a first yes. draft and you're the one seeing it. Yeah. But is there someone in the back of your mind needling you, going, "No, no, 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 Alison"? I'm yeah, used okay. to writing for audiences. I, I write for audiences. I have always written for audiences. I started out as a as a journalist. Not only did I have to write for audiences, I had to write for different audiences. So I had to write within the parameters of the publication, and then I had to write within an audience expectation. So when I sit down to write a middle grade novel, I I know what my I know who my audience is and my audience, and I also know who the gatekeepers of that audience. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, are you mindful always. of the librarians or the yeah? You always have in. that, but it's it's that sense I think of. Um, you know, you so you're creating a world within a world. Let's face it; like the world is is your world, but it is in the wider world of readers, of you know, of reviewers, of all that. I don't write for reviewers. I don't write for. I write for kids. Basically, is the mm. is the main. That's my audience, and that's who I write for. And so, when I write my middle grade novels, I'm trying to you know, even without. I think you fall into, as a particular author for children, I think you fall into writing. You, you, your natural voice is always going to be in that pl- in that space where, um, which was potentially quite significant to you as a kid as well. My my natural writing voice for kids is around ten. You know, yeah. it's at ten to kind of fourteen, and that was a time for me of massive change in my own life. You know, of of having moved and and all sorts of different things, and the kinds of books that I was consuming at that age, I think reflected that as well, and. Um, I think so when you start, when you sit down to write those stories somewhere in within you, you know, out comes that 10-year-old and what they expect in a story as well. So I think there's that too. Yeah, wow. I never thought about it that way. Mm. That's- I, think it's, I think that's why I'm there. That's why I'm writing epic adventure stories about kids who'd rather stay home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Kids who, what? So that's the now that's really interesting. A kid who finds himself in the middle of an adventure and all he wants to do is go home. Yeah, well, that's my that's the, the that's, this, 
That's the Mapmaker Chronicles is essentially this kid who is is sent around the world on a very small boat, you know, and the whole time he's out there, he because he, he has to make this map, and the whole time he's out there, he just wants to be home. He wants to be on the farm. He wants to be reading his books and be left to his own devices, you know. it's um, So Reluctant Heroes are very much my my wheelhouse, and I think it's because I my 10-year-old, my inner 10-year-old, is most assuredly a reluctant hero. I like. I've always loved adventuring on the page, but not in real life. <laughs> so, do you do you do you, do you think much about um, why you're writing? Like, do you think do you consider uh, you know like why you're writing for your own self as a human being? Like, I'm going to write a story for these reasons. I want to say have these messages, or are you entertaining no. yourself and then? I, no, I, I don't. I never ever enter into a story to create a message. I, I think that that's a. Um, I think that that's a. I think that's where a lot of adults go wrong in writing for kids. I think you know a lot of the first drafts that I read from first time authors are because they want to teach a kid something. Yeah. Um, no, I think the best way to enter a story is, uh, you know, it, it's for me it's just, again, it comes down to that creative curiosity or that creative challenge. And my first novel for kids was both of those things. It was, um, you know, I had this idea about map making and, you know, what it would be like to be the kid who had to go and make these maps and didn't want to. And I had never written a story for children in my life, like not since yeah. I was 10. Um, and so I thought, because it was a great idea, and I thought, oh, I, I said to my idea. son, I said to my son, gee, that's a great idea. Someone should write that. Someone should write yeah, yeah, that yeah, is what I that, said. Yeah. And it took me like six months to realise that maybe that someone was probably going to have to be me. So, yeah. But I think it's, I think that I write because I like to explore ideas and I like to explore um, subjects that interest me. Um, and just because I really, I get, a great deal of satisfaction out of just watching a story come together and, and discovering a character and finding out what they're capable of. It's, I, I think you have to do it for those reasons. I think you have to write because you just love it, I, you know, and I've always written in some form or other throughout my life and I just sort of like moved with the ebbs and flows as to into different directions with that writing. But, um, you know, interesting for someone who never actually thought they would be a writer. Like it yeah. wasn't something I ever thought. I never imagined I could have a career as a yeah. as a novelist because I so thought, about, again, that was something that other people did. What about um, planning the story? No. Like do you sit down and go, no, no. planning at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, it drives my husband crazy. He's a, he's a spreadsheet. He's a builder. So everything yeah. to him is about, you know, foundations, framing, you know, the whole bit. Um, and, you know, I don't, I just don't, I've, I've tried working like that and I find that it just uh, stymies me. I, I mm. can't, I can't get beyond choosing the wall tiles, you know, like it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's not, not how I work. I, I am better at having some idea of where it's going now. Like as in I've worked out how to think about an ending to a novel in the same way that I used to think about an ending to a feature article. And that's, that's been useful because at least I've got an idea of where I'm going, but yeah, no, I just, no. What about Gee, you? Do you? We do are, you no, we are the same person. It's <laughs> hilarious. There we are again. We are the same. <laughs> I am the secret other dad <laughs> Alison Datto. We've already got one Alison Datto. I know. It's I lucky know. you've got two L's. I know. The um, role is taken. What yeah, yeah. Say? Oh, dear. Uh, you know, yeah. it's interesting. 
So what are you what are you going to do? So you've got your your podcast happening this year. You've got yeah. your um you know are you working on new novels, on new books? Yeah, I've got look I've got 40,000 words of an adult novel done. Adult novel. Yep. So you're going into into adult novels. Don't know. Have you written you haven't written adult before, have you? I've, I've, I wrote a sort of a not, look it's not it's a sort of a half memoir half oh, okay, thing yeah, called yeah. it's all good which yeah. was um, me and another bloke rode motorbikes across America 20, 30 years ago probably. Wow. And then he died, you know, 10 years later and left a two-year-old behind. And he died in a workplace accident. It was a disa- It was just a disaster. Oh. And, and, but, and I was actually writing a letter to his daughter about our ride saying, you know, so you did, I, look, I knew your dad and we did this because she can never know. And so this is my whole... This is my whole subtext for writing, right? Is that it's that if, if if I begin a conversation, if I share a story with someone about something as ridiculous as riding your push bikes and and then putting them on the side of the road and then covering yourself with tomato sauce and jam and waiting for a car to go past and think there's been a horrific accident and then you run off, right? <laughs> so if I write a story about that, for instance, which is that that's something we did one day, right? So <laughs> Which is hilarious. And this woman, the car like this. And we get up and ride off laughing our heads off. She's like, you idiots. You get right. We just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so there's someone listening to this now and they go, oh, my God, do you know what we did? We did this. Yeah. Right? So, they, so they literally – and so re- I really feel that storytelling is about sharing memories for other people to remember their own stories. Oh, yeah, that part, makes sense. And then to yep. share their own stories with their own people. Yeah, you know, I think that so makes perfect sh- sense. Yeah, not to share my story, but to share their own. So I'm just trying to um, create a, to jog memories. All you know, that's what I. That's how I feel. Um, it should work. So that was the idea for 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 that. And I was telling the publisher that that's what I was doing, and he said, "Look, why don't you write it? Let's make it a book and just add a bit more of yourself in there." And but I didn't have to really because it was all. So that's the only adult thing. But this okay. one. So that was so, all your voice. That was you, all you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what's this Writing. one? Is this one also all you? Oh, no, this is a novel and it's really wide and it's a really, it's really wide. And I'm just, it's just, it's, it's niche and it's, but it's, it's off the normal center of, um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's a good it's not a. It's not a bad story. It's an. It's a really interesting idea. Um, I'm, I just haven't hit the faith of if I'm going to get in trouble for writing it. Oh, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's not. So like, I know it's going to be offensive to someone. So it's right. a matter of how offensive it's going. So that's back to that that thought of, you know, how do you write for the gatekeeper in the back of your head, going, mm. well, you know, you shouldn't. And you know, I've sent it to my dad, for instance, who's eighty and very conservative, and he goes, well. Jesus, where's the rest of it? Go on, son, get on. <laughs> so, which is, he goes, I don't know about the language. And I try, tried to explain to him that, you know, look, this, in a first draft, I'm going to put every bit of language I can think of in there. And then as I reread it, it's all coming out. But it's got to be there at the beginning, you know. To, oh, absolutely. But know, I, also, to, I also feel like with a story like that, if it's something that you believe in and something that's really like driving you to write it, I think you have to you have to put the gatekeepers aside for a while like you have to push mm. the gatekeepers outside the prison for a while and wait and, and actually just get it on the page and see what you have you don't even yeah. know what you've got particularly particularly 
Andrew, if you write the way that we write, you don't mm. actually even know what you have until you get to the end of it. Yeah, but not but. 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 <laughs> See, the hard part is, so I did a young adult novel called One Step about a kid who just misreads nearly everything and finds himself in a really rotten spot. Yeah. And um, and it took a, it took me, that literally took six years to get from, to go from the idea. And the idea was simple that the, we had friends and their neighbour, their son came home from school one day, went to the fridge, got something to eat, went upstairs and took his own life. And you just oh, can't. God figure oh, out God. yeah you can't understand you just it don't, none of it makes sense yeah right? none of, like none of that makes sense so it's trying to yeah. work out what could the steps be that would lead to that like how yeah you know so that took a long time to to think about and then yeah. a long time to write and you finally write it and then you press send and then it got knocked back i don't know seven or eight times and then yeah. finally penguin said yeah okay we love it we'll do it um and it was good and it was like Really interesting. So this story feels a little bit like that one. It's not quite as bleak. Okay. It's definitely. And not how as bleak. was the how was the other one received out in the wider world? Oh, it went, it, it went well, but it didn't go as well as the one that because when you do a one book contract, when you do one book, they go, okay, we're going to need a second book as a follow up yeah. if this one goes yeah. right. So and, <laughs> and you go, oh, hang on, shit, I've only got one YA novel. I don't have two. Yeah. I've only got one. But you know, yeah. you sign the thing because you're going, oh, I'm going to be published. This is great. Yeah. So, um, which is, I get very excited every time. Um, yeah. And oh, absolutely. So the second story, I said to my 14-year-old daughter, I said, well, Jesus, I don't know what to write. She goes, oh, Dad, write something to make me cry. <laughs> so I went, jeez, yeah, right. And so, again, it was another year of writing a different but a love story about a girl who's dying and falls in love with a boy who's everything, and but he's not he's really nothing because all he does is train to be a great runner and so he's while she's dying she teaches him how to live uh you yes. know nice and then and so you've got this thing of you know he's got everything she's got nothing and then the the, the yeah they marry up and then yeah. you know and it was called um just breathe and but that went really well and that was hell on earth to write but they like they, every sentence was every i promise you every sentence until I got to the last three-quarter mark and then I was sitting literally in this spot. Um, the surf contest was on down the road. I could hear the, you know, thing goes, and that I re I got the ending and went, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> it's so sad. And I quickly scribbled some notes and then went down and watched a bit of surfing and had a beer with my brother and um, a couple of other people. Because you because I'd worked it out, and then from then on, it was fine. And then yeah. when I handed it in, and they said rewrite the whole thing. Oh, do and you went, think though? <laughs> do you think it was so difficult, like a book like that, because you were writing to a contract, and because yeah, it yeah. wasn't necessarily an idea that had been, you know, ticking away, you know, taking five years to come to the front of your mind, but in actual fact, was, oh God, I have to write something. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that why it was so difficult? Yes, definitely, because it's not, it's not, it's not in my heart story it's yeah. a it's, it's a i'm due with I'm, <laughs> I'm due to write a story and this is this is this could be something for you and your picture book idea that you've got in your head that you want to write a picture book and you're saying i'm you know I, this is my challenge i'm going to get a picture book published yeah well if you just sort of let that slide yes and just went and wait for the idea to you know like jesus we've got three kids to turn two 
and every one of them said something like, I do it, right? Yeah, At the yeah. age of two, they yeah, go, yeah, I'd yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'd do it. But it wasn't yeah. until the third one started doing it and I went, holy crap, there's a book here. There's a book in that. <laughs> right? And the same as Bibi, our, my, the one who just writes up to make me cry, every night she said, um, Daddy, don't forget to check on me when I said goodnight to her. Every yeah. single night. Yeah. And then one night I heard it and went, oh, right. Right. There's a, there's a right. book. Right. That's it. <laughs> so that's why it, it always – but they're the not. I think they're the, the nicest stories because they – Oh, they um, are. And they're the they, ones that resonate with, mm. you know, they're those universal ones that people pick up. Like they're the ones that come out and I think, oh, God, I should have written that one. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because every time I read them, I see them and I go – oh, wait a minute, there was a missed opportunity because, of course, the kind of stuff you're talking about is that universal stuff that happens in in every household and yeah. you, you encapsulate that. Jane Godwin is very, very good at that. She she writes those um, and does a brilliant job of them too. And, I, yeah, like I, my difficulty with picture books is, is moving from anecdote to actual narrative. That's where my downfall has been, has been I've had the idea, I've got the idea, but I'm not um, because, you know, I'm – as you say, writing short, it's like copywriting. Just do it is harder to come up with than a thousand words of why you should buy these running shoes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it was true. So mm. 65,000 words gives me a lot of room, or, you know, 60,000 words give me a lot of room for character development and for subplots and complicated. Yeah. I love a complicated story. Um, whereas, you know, 498 words, beginning, middle, well, see, end. See, that's a lot. And that's oh, a lot. And that's you, a lot, exactly. So now if you yeah. can do a picture book in hundred in 200 words, but yep. the thing is put this in the back of your mind, let the pictures do the narrative. Yes, and that's right? the so other the pictures thing tell you have the narrative, to get used to, yeah. And the words. So there's a picture book coming out. I'm, I think it is – I've got two coming in the next year and I can't believe how excited I am. One's with Stephen Michael King. It's called – Grandma's Guide to Happiness, and it is the most. It is so beautiful. It is so genuinely beautiful and spiritual with his drawings, and it's ethereal, and it's about my mother, and it's you know like oh. it's just gorgeous. Yeah, like it's go Like I, when he sent the rough drawings, I just went, oh my god. And then we talk about where things that you know. Yeah. So it's I. I really feel picture books are somewhere in your heart, not yeah, in your head. Yeah, I think head, you're right. You know? I think you're right, and I think mm. maybe that's been the that's been my problem is I've been approaching them, as you say, as a challenge probably more than a curiosity, mm. and that's maybe what the what the issue is there. That's yeah. where I'm. That's where I'm going wrong, Andrew. My God. And then, and so sorry, just to finish on on the picture book thing. So I meet lots of people. They go, Oh, I wish I could write. I'd like to write a. And I go, Look, write. Just write your story and then do your doodly drawings and then staple the pages together and read it to your children. Yeah. Because that's as much value as yeah. the one you're going to go and spend nineteen ninety five or twenty nine ninety five at the bookstore. If you sit down with your own story and read it to your own kids and they go, oh, and they go, mum, you know, like because the, the payoff is not at, it's not at that moment in bed or on the couch or the payoff is 20 years later when you pull out that <laughs> – Ratty, <laughs> coffee-stained piece of shit that you know, and then and show it to your kids, and they read it to their children. You oh, know, look and that's at it, that. and yeah. that's why we do it because that's why, well, we that's, that's why I do it. You know, like, yeah. but I'm a bit more, I'm a bit luckier because, you know, sometimes the ideas land where they should, and the publisher will go, okay, we'll make that. Sometimes they don't, like, you know, I get knocked back all the time. 
you know. Well, so. I think that's the other thing that's really important, um, you know, particularly for newer authors starting out to remember too is that <clears throat> just because you get one book over the line doesn't mean you've got a career. Like there's a whole lot of other things. Um, you have to keep writing. You're going to get rejected, you know, again, you know, just be – I, I think it's that's and that's one of the reasons why I say that if you if this is something that you want to do as a career, you you have to do it from a place of dri- driven by a need to do it and a love of it rather than I'm going to make myself a fortune here because yeah. let's face it <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Yeah, well that's a, that, that's the, I mean I would never consider myself as a career author because mm. I just I just can't I just cannot. And yet run. you have a career as an author. Along no, with all of the other things that yeah, you do. I, yeah, yeah. Being an author is part of my part of your job. Yeah. Part of my pie, but it's a yeah. sm- quite a small part of the pie because it just doesn't it rewards me immensely when I talk in schools and yeah. when, you know, um when I'm actually writing, but it doesn't reward me much financially. No. I I think, you know, but like I'm- it's <laughs> people are like, you know, when will I be able to <clears throat> when will I be able to give up my day job? And I'm yeah. like uh, if you still got a day job, you should hang yeah, with hang that. It. Hold on, <laughs> it. well, here's, okay. Here's the thing. We'll finish with this. Um, Morris Gleitzman came. I was doing a, um, a news program called 11 AM on Channel Seven, right? So it's morning yep. news back in the 90s. Morris Gleitzman came in and he was doing his book Bumface. So Bumface was the book that turned me around literally and said, "Far out! You can actually do this." Yeah. Because it's the, I don't know if you remember the first scene of Bumface, but yep. the teacher goes something like, "Are you drawing a penis?" And the kid goes. <laughs> He goes, it was such a good sound. And the kid goes, um, no, and he's drawing a lighthouse. And the teacher goes, I told you to draw a penis. Now, <laughs> right? <laughs> just and it really caught me by surprise. I thought it was so funny. Anyway, so Morris comes in. We had this fantastic chat and he was brilliant. And I've got his book and I'm holding his book and he get, get, gets up to go and, and he puts his hand out for his book. And I went, I was like, what? You want your book back, you know? And <laughs> thinking... <laughs> And he goes, yeah, I get 10 and then I have to pay for them. So, yeah. and I went, oh, I had, and literally I had no idea. And then, yeah. so that's the whole, the whole thing is that, you know, you write a book, it takes you a year, you get 10 copies for free. You have to choose really carefully who you give those 10 special copies to because you want to keep a couple for yourself. Yeah. And then, and then you're paying for them like everyone else. And, yeah. you know, there's, so I just went, oh, wow. So it's, there's something in it, but there's, it's about love and, you know, connectivity and and not computers and, and creating <laughs> no no really though but like creating fantasy worlds and letting people escape and and live in your weird weird head for a little while and then hopefully go and reenact them you know jump a bike or yeah swim in a rip or whatever it is you know yeah. like um whatever those things are but it's about not playing games it's about playing games in your head not on a screen where you don't actually use your imagination as as much as you would if, when reading. But everyone no. listening to this knows that because that's why they're listening to it. Well, that's why they're listening to this. And I have to say it's been a um, an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed our yeah, conversation so today. We should totally Dado. do this again. Now that I'm the new Dado, oh, my God, I'm so, wow. so on board for that. Um, so, Andrew, if people want to find out more about you, where do they find you online? Oh, look, I've got a website I never update. Well, that's helpful. Um, and I don't really do – I don't do face ache or anything, actually. Um, oh. I do Instagram occasionally. Um, 
<laughs> we'll just look out for you in your new series, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> we can no, wave at terrible. you. No, I'm actually hopeless. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely hopeless. But I know, look, I, I've got a website, Andrew, uh, com, and there's a, uh, you know, you can email there if, and they want to know something. But I, yeah. I should actually do some updating. I will when I, the new book comes out. So Of course you will because that's what you have to do, right? Yeah. That's what I'm going to um, And you'll find me at alisontate.com where I do re- regularly update because I don't have a TV series to put myself in front of people or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Alison Tate Writer and I am on Twitter at, at Al Tate. So, um, although I may now be changing all of my handles to Dado, so just keep an eye out. Yeah, I hope you do. New Dado. (laughs) New and improved. You'd be our first redhead. It'll be great. (laughs) Just introducing something totally new. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for the chat, and I'll talk. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon in in some other way. Yeah, I hope so. Good fun. Really good fun. Thanks, Al. Bye. The Words and Nerds Universe content is created by many talented people. We have the usual episodes and live streams hosted by me, Danny V. There are three regular spin-offs, the popular Burgers, Beers and Books hosted by Ben Hobson, the regular Takeover hosted by Nathan J. Phillips, and a different page hosted by Josie Layton. Check the Words and Nerds website for more details. We also have Takeover episodes where an author interviews another author and they take the conversation wherever they like. Throughout the year, we also have short spin-offs like the Summer Series Takeover, the NaNoWriMo Series, and the Publishing Insider Series. You can find all of these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll also find us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Danny B Books, Words and Nerds Podcast. Stay safe and read more books.